Welcome to Time to Adapt, where we break down movies and the books behind them. With me, as always, is the wonderful Max Schaefer. In you. And obviously, it's me, Selena. Hit you. Hit <laughs> you. And uh, today we're going to be talking about murder on the Orient Express. Murder. 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 <laughs> but uh, first off, how how are you, Mac? How are you thriving today? <laughs> I'm not thriving, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, it's working in the hotel industry during the month of December is, I would probably say, one of the nine circles of hell. Oh, boy. It's horrific. And it is not fun. And so many rich people, so many crazy demands. If there's anything that working the hotel industry around Christmas time can do, it will probably turn you into a communist because it definitely is making <laughs> it's definitely making it more appealing to me right now. I even bought a Moscow hat the other day. I'm really excited for it to come in the mail. Found a photo of it on online later. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I look forward to that. <laughs> How are you? I did, you had something uh, sort of important happen in your life yeah, lately, didn't maybe. it? Maybe. Let, what me, was let me rack my brain. Uh, I finally graduated after... You graduated! <laughs> what was it? Like five and a half years? <laughs> I got you beat by two years. Seven and a half years. You know, it doesn't matter how long you do it as long as you fucking finish. So you fucking finish, and that's I fucking finished. I showed my it. film. It was great. Oh, it turned out great. I, I was. Still need to see it. I'm gonna. You know, it's taking me a while because, like, that weekend, like afterwards, after I showed, we went, got drunk. I woke oh, up yeah. early to go to my graduation. I forgot why I woke up that early. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, oh, shit, I walk. And then I did that. And then I got sick. <laughs> so I, I'm going to post it probably um, this week somewhere and send people links. Uh, I want to see if I can get it into festivals. But I don't know. It doesn't hurt to shoot my shot. What I would recommend is um, like, do, like do like a private link. That's just for yeah. friends and family. Then just keep it private so you can like do film festival run because that's what I'm doing right now with my film. So yeah, it doesn't hurt to shoot my shots. So that's yeah. that's my goal at the moment. But it's taking me a while to like upload it onto Vimeo or wherever. I don't know. It might be too big of a file to put on Vimeo at the moment because I only have the free one and this bitch poor. So I might be able to help you out there. We'll, we'll talk about that off, off of this. So yeah, that's what's going on in my life. So uh, I do fucking go high five. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just pre. So if I sound all scratchy and there's some coughing, that's because I'm recovering from a cold. So I also pre apology. I, I also have had a bit of a, stuffy nose so you might hear a lot of we're gonna just today. be like <coughs> <coughs> it's gonna be like reverse ASMR horrible <laughs> stares because we're sick <laughs> I'm sorry Graham I'm I'm not I sound bad but I feel great that's a, that's a word to live by I sound bad I feel great uh, but anyways so we thought a good way to kind of celebrate this Christmas time was to talk about murder yeah, wintry murder. Because um, <laughs> that's the folks we are. So, yeah, let's get into, for those who don't know, kind of the plot of Murder on the Orient Express. It's about this tiny Belgian mustachioed detective who's Hercule retired. Hercule Poirot. 
uh, yeah, he's retired, but he still likes to detective on the side. And he's leaving, like, the Middle East. He gets on the Orient Express. From Constantinople to London. And a murder happens. Murder. Um, well, they're they're kind of trapped. Uh, they're trapped along their journey because, because of a bunch of snow. So they're kind of, like, stuck in this valley full of snow. And a murder happens. And they have to... It's a, it's a whodunit. There's whodunit. a huge cast of characters. <laughs> and it kind of... I don't know. It's kind of hard to break down the plot in a super fast, concise way. But just there will you, be spoilers on this episode, yeah. FYI. So yeah, we'll, uh, we'll we'll let you know when we're about to get in the spoilers. So yeah, for the most part, for the first like maybe ten minutes, of this we're gonna try to just talk about the history as well as plot points without getting too deep into spoiler territory. Yeah, but essentially. There's like a cast of characters. It's very, I guess, clue-like where they're kind of all trapped and they have to narrow down who killed them, who killed the human. Um, so it's it's a fun time if you like whodunits. It's a very sh- Agatha Christie is the original like whodunit. You know, you know who made it big. Oh yeah. Anyways, getting into. The background, so obviously a detective novel by English writer Agatha Christie. She's known for like her 66 detective novels plus 14 short story collections, um, but particularly those revolving around her fictional detectives, Hercule, you say it, Hercule Poirot, and Miss Marple. And she, Christie is the, was one of the best selling novelists of all time. She's, she's actually, She's the best-selling novelist of all time. Uh, she sold roughly two billion copies of her books. Her estate claims that her works come in third in the rankings of the world's most widely published books. Murder on the Orient Express was first published in the United Kingdom around January of 1934 in the United States. It was instead on the 28th of February, 1934, and it was immediately got a bit of a good reception to it. In fact, um, the New York Times book review from from March of 1934 stated, The great Belgian detectives' guesses are more than shrewd. They are positively miraculous. Although both the murder plot and the solution verge upon the impossible, Agatha Christie has contrived to make them appear quite convincing for the time being. And what more than that can a mystery addict desire? Yeah, it's... It's sold, I don't know, it's one of those books where even if you haven't read it, you've heard it. Yeah. And for us, what we did, um, well, what we try to do, I'm not sure, uh, we listened to the audiobook, and one was by Kenneth Branagh. You read the, you you listened to the Kenneth Branagh one, right? No, I listened to the Dan Stevens. Oh, we both listened to the Dan Stevens version then. We miscommunicated on that, but Dan Stevens, great job. Oh my gosh. He's He's got a lovely voice. He knows that French accent well. There is some the American Belgian accent. Yeah, the some of the American accents are a little iffy, but you know. What do you expect? What do you expect? Yeah. So but. a little bit of history for you, because I like to shove a little bit of history in this. He's uh, gonna talk about train stuff. Trains. Well, my dad was really into trains, and my grandpa was really into trains. So, so it's just destiny that you should tell us about Actually, trains. I don't know jack shit about <laughs> trains. <laughs> you That's were disappointing. Your I'm, grandfather and your father, Mac. I How already does that know make I disappoint my grandfather, so I don't care. 
Oh God, I hope he doesn't listen to this. So, Hello, Max Grandpa. <laughs> hi, Grandpa. Don't take my twi- my tweets seriously. He does. I know he does. <laughs> so the Orient Express was a passenger train that went from, um, at the time, Constantinople, now Istanbul, to London. And you would pass through Paris, Munich, Budapest, Belgrade. Uh, it was considered like one of the best known train rides because it hit a lot of great European spots and it was very luxurious at the time and it was around from 1883 until about 1977 when it stopped serving Istanbul and then it turned into an uh, overnight service from Paris to Bucharest and then only to Budapest and then again shortened in 2001 to Vienna and then it ended up ending uh in 2007. So. Oh, damn. Yeah. It, I didn't uh, realize that it was that recent. Yeah. Uh, actually, it um, got turned from the Orient Express to um, Stra- to the Strasbourg Express, I believe. No, no, no. It, it went from Paris to Strasbourg. And because um, high-speed rails became popular and because uh, it just, the idea of taking an old train ride wasn't as glamorous anymore it just kind of they couldn't do much for it so mm-hmm. on december 14th 2009 they orient express ceased to operate and it disappeared from european timetables and again a victim of high-speed trains and cut rate airlines so there is a private venture called the venice Sim- simpleton orient express which uses the original some of the original express carriages from the, the 1800s onward Ooh. Um, that goes from Paris to Istanbul. Oh, um, some other like I guess history or references that pop up in the book. Um, so in the book, you find out that there has been a kidnapping um, that plays heavily into how some of the characters are connected. And at the time, well, a few years before she wrote the book, there was this high profile uh, kidnapping and murder of Charles Lindenberg's son in 19. Yeah. Lindbergh Lindbergh kidnapping. Yeah. And murder murder Uh, in 1932, um, which definitely inspired uh, elements in the novel two years later. Um, It was probably one of the earliest, earliest like um, mass media, like true crime, true crime situations, because um, it uh, probably up until I'd say O.J. Simpson, it was one of the more the one of the m- more well known. Yeah. Um. So I guess one. So one of the things that the novel used um, that mirrored real life uh, was a young child, firstborn of the family, was kidnapped for ransom directly from the crib. The parents were famous. The father was well known, was a well known pilot, and the mother uh, and the mother pregnant. And then the ransom was paid, but the child was found de- dead soon after. Um, an innocent but perhaps loose lipped maid was who was employed by the Lindberghs. Parents was suspected of involvement in the crime. Um, but as again, she was innocent after being harshly interrogated by the police, she committed suicide. So very dramatic, heavy shit. Yeah. Um, so a lot, elements of that case kind of you, as you read the book or listen to the audiobook like we did, you, you can definitely see those elements in there. And you can definitely like 
do were in the t- at the time in the 1934 it would still be pretty fresh in, oh on, yeah on the mind so it's quite obvious that like you read like oh yeah this is about the Lindbergh baby kidnapping so mm-hmm. so anyway so it um as a book it's it is the most well known of the Hercule Poirot series mm-hmm. uh, besides being the best known Agatha Christie novel everyone yeah everyone has heard of it even if they haven't read it yeah and um it's definitely, I mean, I don't really read many murder mystery whodunits. Um, so reading it, I'm just like, oh, this is kind of a lot of Agatha Christie's novels are kind of become the, have become like the plot points and the way that um, the mystery is solved. It's kind of become the backbone of a lot of famous mystery novels. Like, yeah, or just the general like tropes of the whodunit films so yeah. like with and the clues, clues or and knives clues about out stuff yeah where it's like a large ensemble cast Absolutely. they're all trapped somewhere and they have to like one of them is the murderer yeah so and like knives out which is that came out just a couple of weeks ago is kind of like a more a modernization of a modern agatha christie type story oh yeah i would say so. and i loved it it was great, yeah. It's like, so great. The thing about whodunits, and especially Orient Express, is as you're reading it, you like you're you're on this journey with Perot or the detective trying to put the pieces together. But obviously, he's got it all, yeah, together. And there, and the thing that's he's not like a say Sherlock Holmes where he's like. I don't know, just like a brilliant mess. He's very like neat, proper. He's got his own quirks. He's not like yeah, moderate like Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, Benedict Sherlock Holmes. Cumberbund. <coughs> yeah. So, so of course, because it was a well-known book, it of course adaptations came. There was a radio many adaptations. many adaptations came. There was a couple of radio show broadcasts from both America and from the BBC between nineteen like the nineteen thirties into the nineteen sixties. But it all but like when it came to like film versions, it all started in nineteen seventy four with a film version directed by Sidney Lumet, who's one of the more well known uh, filmmakers of the time, and it was produced by John Bradbone. Brayburn and Richard B. Goodwin, and it starred Albert Finney as Poirot, Martin Balsam as Signor Bianchi, uh, George Clorou as I probably butchered that, but whatever. George Clorou. You would say it so much better than me right now. I'm seeing color, colorists. <laughs> like my dyslexia is just doing just wonders, wonders with that last name. Colori. <laughs> Color as Dr. Constantine. <laughs> Cloris Leachman. No. And uh, I apologize, Rich, George Richard, Clor- Clory. <laughs> Clory. I think he's dead. I fucking I hate French. Dead. What a terrible. This is going to haunt you now. I know. But what a terrible, terrible language. None of the letters mean anything. It sounds so beautiful. How dare you? Okay. It does sound beautiful, but it written is complete now, nonsense. Now his French ghost is going to haunt you. Sorry. That was right? my f- oh, French I'm writing rant. I am going to haunt you now. <laughs> As a dyslexic, I do not appreciate the French language. It's not easy. It's tough. Anyways. <laughs> I love the French language, by the way. It sounds so, very pretty. It's just nonsense. <laughs> so, anyway, back on topic. 
Among the remaining uh, cast includes Sean Connery. Sean Connery. Yeah, Sean Connery. That's <laughs> fucking terrible, Sean Connery. We I'm could in, not I'm, help it. Yeah, I'm, I'm butchering everything today. I don't care. Ingrid you Bergman. Know, yeah, Lauren Bacall. Um, Anthony Perkins of Psycho fame is in it. And it's great. I'm glad he's in it because... I've always thought Anthony Perkins is a really great actor, but he ended up getting kind of typecast as the psychopath because of, you know, Norman Bates. Yeah. Uh, but seeing him kind of play a more straight role is great. Um, John Gielgud, who's probably one of the best known stage actors, stage to film actors. Michael York, Jean-Pierre Cassel, Jacqueline Bisset, Wendy Hiller, Vanessa Redgrave, and uh, Rachel Roberts, Colin Blakely, Dennis Coulet, and Ingrid Bergman. And she won the Academy Award for it, too, for this role. And I mean, of course, you know, it's Ingrid Bergman, one of the yeah. greats of cinema. So in this one, there were some minor changes made um, regarding a couple of the, the name of the maid and the names of a couple of the. Um, yeah, mostly it's a it's it's a name situation. So um, to be really quick about this, I don't think we really talked about this much. The actual, like, besides the plot of the film is that before, so when Poirot gets on the train, he is, they're all kind of shocked because this is a train that normally there's always room on it. But mm -hmm. when he gets on the train, he finds out that it's like booked. So he has to get a special room to get special room. Yeah. He wanted to be in first class, but he can't be in first class because yeah. it's booked. Um, and especially like. It's like the early, like the 5 a.m. train and um, yeah, that's like a big deal in the beginning at the very beginning of the book where they're like people on the train this early. <gasps> yeah. yeah. And um, a man named Cassetti comes to Poirot and says, I know who you are. I want you to be my bodyguard. I will pay you $20,000 to do that. And he's like. No, I'm on vacation. Fuck you. <laughs> no, I'm on vacation. Fuck you. <laughs> I'm pissing off so many people today. Um, and lo and behold, by the next morning, Ratchet Cassetti is dead. And no one knows Spoiler. how he's dead. Spoiler. <laughs> We're getting this. Well, they don't Too know late. it until they've read the book. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, so then... The train stops because of a snowdrift that's in the middle of the tracks. They have to try to clear the tracks before they go any further. So while they're while they have that time, Poirot decides to take on the case. And he knows the murderer is within is in the train. Mm -hmm. So it, the rest of the book is basically him sitting down and interviewing each person one by one and putting the pieces together because like there was. A handkerchief that was found. There was a woman in a red kimono who ran down the um, the tr the the hallway. Who ran down the hallway after he was after the the apparent murder. Um, and there's a whole thing with with the the stopwatch and the time of the death. And through all of it, now we get into the spoiler territory. So, sorry, it is revealed that in fact. Cassetti was actually a man named Ratchet, who was the mastermind behind a kidnapping of a, a celebrity's baby and the eventual murder of the baby. 
And as soon as this murder happened, he fled the country with the money. And everyone on the train had something to do with the baby itself, either be it they one was one woman was the maid of the family Mm -hmm. and one was uh, like a close friend of the family. And it's revealed that like the mother of this child ended up dying Mm -hmm. because of her grief for her dead child. So everyone on this train, the reason the train is booked is because everybody on the train has a stake in this. And each of them are, it turns out, stabbed him. Because, like, he, he stabbed multiple times. And you find out that each person on the train had stabbed him at some point. And that's how, and that's how they tried to, they put up some false clues thinking it would hide. It would, it would, like. It would kind of make muddy the the path to figuring out it would who did take it. suspicion away from them. Yeah. So. In the end, Poirot, who for the most part is very much as he's the world black and white. And it's like, I don't you you murdered someone. You go to jail. You, you, you face the law for that. By the end of this, he's like. Yeah, I this guy deserved to die. And I can just say this, that somebody jumped on the train when it stopped and murdered him and left. That's all I can say, because I. I I'm not taking you all in because you all have a good reason why you did what you did. So, and I like that because like in the book, it only you, he puts all this together in the last three pages and the book basically ends with him saying exactly what happens and that's it. There's no like, and there's no like epilogue or like what happens when they get off the train. It's a, yep, this is what happened. And, (laughs) and it's, it's great. I loved it. So, Back to the uh, 1974 film. Of course, it has it. It pretty much follows the book to a T. And there are some minor changes where like Masterman was renamed. Like there is a character yeah, who's we, renamed we the dead. That. Yeah. Um, and that's really the only real changes that I can um, say about it, because it's besides that follows the book to the T and. I guess that might be a bit of a flaw to it, though, because maybe because like I read the book and as soon as I read the book, I put on the movie mm-hmm. and I kind of got a little bored midway through. And that's because the book was so fresh. In my mom like, oh, I already know this happens. Yeah. Yeah. So it I, is a very true adaptation. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and it did extremely well. Like the film was a success at the box office. My um, only issue um, is probably this, that I don't like Albert Finney as Poirot. And you're not alone in that. Um, uh, uh, Agatha Christie's biographer, Gwen Robbins, uh, quoted her as saying, it was well made except for one mistake. It was Albert Finney as my detective Perot. And then I wrote that. <laughs> I didn't he, know that. Yeah, she wrote, uh, the quote continues, I wrote that he had the finest mustache in England and he didn't in the film. I thought that was a pity. Why, why shouldn't he? <laughs> so his Agatha Christie was not a fan. <laughs> yeah. And like, well, sort of. Uh, like, well, she was a fan of the film, except for she wasn't. Except the biggest, she didn't like Poirot. Yeah, she didn't like who played Poirot. So this so this one and Witness for the Prosecution were the only adaptations of her books that she liked while she was alive. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, on but, top of that, there is the, uh, the uh, there are other versions. There was a made for TV version of Murder on the Orient Express 
that came out in like nineteen in the late nineties, and that starred Al, Alfred Molina as Poirot. Honestly, not a bad choice for Poirot. I haven't seen it or seen any clips of it, so I can't really state how good it is. However, when it came to performance performers as Poirot, the most probably probably the most well known. Poirot is David Suchet as Hercule Poirot for the BBC television series Poirot. So he's played Poirot for many years. Um, actually, he's been basically playing him um, from 1989 up until 2013. Yeah, and that's for the series, which honestly, every time I go to like Barnes and Noble and look for my BBC favorite shows. There's always a there's huge, a huge section of Poirot. Of As Poirot. somebody who works at a Barnes and Noble, yeah, there's just a giant. It's literally room. like a shelf. Yeah. <laughs> like, and it's like there's, there's like so a giant many shelf seasons. to Doctor Who. There's a giant shelf to Downton Abbey, and then there's Poirot. Yeah. So, and yeah, those movies are a lot of the, those little TV movies are a lot of fun. If if it's on, I'm always happy to watch them because mm-hmm. they're they're harmless. Really, there's not like. They're not super like, ooh, let's do something new. Let's make. It's very much like. Let's Alan Moore Poirot and turn him into a heroin addicted jazz critic or something (laughs) like that. It's legit like, this is to the T. This is what Poirot is probably like. And this is probably the most what Agatha Christie probably saw him as. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like the he. In the book, Poirot's described as like a small like man with just this giant mustache and like kind of just a very um precise type of personality and in the show he's just got it nailed um and yeah we i i haven't really done a deep dive into the show because there's just so many episodes um they do have a special episode that was like a um, like a home movie um i mean like a tv movie excuse me of murder at the uh, of the or- on the Orient Express um and that one they aired like during Christmas and it did really well in the UK um but it was a made for TV film um but kind of leading into that there's now well not now it was just like 2 years ago but that leads to Kenneth Branagh's 2017 murder adaptation of the Orient Express and our Kenneth, boy. Yeah. Our boy, Kenneth Branagh. We How many ha- times have we talked about him now? I think only t- once. Once? What? No, we talked about him twice. Twice. That's, because, there we go, people. Uh, we t- during, I think, our Othello one, we talked about some of his sh- stuff, right? Yeah, we talked about him in that one. And we talked about... Oh, no, we talked about Frankenstein. We talked about... Oh, yeah, Frankenstein. And then... Well, did we cover another... Oh, uh, we much ado. about nothing. Yeah, so we covered... I ranted about times. Claudio. Yes. I will rant about Claudio any day of the week. You should, oh, okay. if, and if you want to hear me rant about Claudio, take a listen back to that episode. Because Claudio is a son of a bitch. That's my favorite episodes, actually. Because uh, just you seem so, you're so giddy talking about it. I fucking love my Shakespeare, dude. Me too. And Kenneth Branagh. He, I, I, I was excited to see this version when it first came out because I was like, Kenneth Branagh, I'll watch whatever he makes. He's fun. Um... So, yeah. So, anyways, in uh, June 2015, uh, 27th Frox hired Kenneth Branagh to direct and stars Perot in the adaptation of um, Murder on the Orient Express, which was released in November 
2017. The film is the fourth screen adaptation of uh, Christie's novel following the 1974 film and all the other versions we just talked about. (laughs) Um, The cast included Johnny Depp as Mr. Ratchet, Michelle Pfeiffer, Penelope Cruz, Leslie Odom Jr., Derek Jacoby, Daisy Ridley, Judi Dench... The Dame. The Dame. Judy Dench. Um, Even Olivia Coleman and Willem Dafoe. Josh Gad. Um, That's right. Josh Gad's in it. Yep. And then Leslie Odom Jr. Yeah. They they really they packed on. It was a it's a heavy build cast. Like that's kind of what you do though when it comes to like major film adaptations of Poirot. Now you have to get. Famous people to come in and do it. That's like you, you could, but I don't know. Like there were definitely fun. I I don't know. Like it sometimes when in my personal like sidetrack from this in my personal opinion sometimes when you have like such recognizable big stars it, it can takes away it kind of it depending it can kind of take away. But I can understand that for me. We'll talk about this after we kind of go over some of the like background details when we kind of dig into the film, um, how I feel about Kenneth Branagh playing Perot. Yeah. Um, uh, so how does he, how, how is he when he plays Perot? Well, we'll, we'll get into that after okay. talking about some of the facts, but, uh, fun fact, um, the film used some of the same 65 millimeter cameras as Christopher Nolan's Dunkirk, which Branagh had acted in be- shortly before the production of, uh, Mm-hmm. This film, the two were among the very yeah. few to be shot on 65 millimeter um, since or 70 millimeter, wasn't it for Dunkirk and Hamlet? Um, I guess they also did 65. Yeah. So uh, they, yeah. Uh, they were the only ones released in 2017 that were shot on 65, 70 millimeter films, uh, millimeter film. Yeah. The film grossed over 351 million worldwide. And That's was incredible. Yeah. I was kind of surprised because I just watched this on HBO when it first when it went on to streaming. Um, but yeah, it received it. Understand, like from my point of view, it was um, understandably it received mixed reviews from critics with the praise for cast performance and the production value. But some criticism for not adding anything new to previous adaptations. Uh, That's really the best way to, to, to talk about it, because it is like like there's a lot in it. But once again, much like the 1974 version, it's pretty much the exact same thing. Which is fine for the 1974 version since that was the first big adaptation. Yeah. Like, Phil, that was the first film adaptation of the, of the book. Um, whereas this version, like, kind of the notes that I have are just kind of what some of the critics were saying. Like, um, Entertainment Weekly gave the film a B plus. Um, and then audiences by CinemaScore kind of gave it a B. Um, on the negative side, uh, Matthew Jacobs of the Huffington Post was impressed by the cast, but ultimately felt Agatha Christie's Who Done It had no steam. Yeah. Um, but it did well enough to get it to the point where they could, where they're going to make a sequel called Death on the Nile. Well, they also kind of imply that at the end of the movie, right? A bit, yeah. Like, I I haven't read Death of the Nile, but they did kind of leave it open to where they made the space to make a sequel. Okay. And I'm excited for that because, like, after I I read this book, I'm like, I love this. I need to read more about Poirot. I love this character. He's such an odd man. 
Yeah, but in, 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 a, in, in the a book, he's called, he has an egg. Sh- in literally in the book, he has an egg shaped head. They, they, yeah. they say that multiple <laughs> times. And I They're love like that. he's a weird looking dude. So but he he's- has an Adam Sandler head. That's what it is. <laughs> oh, wouldn't yeah. that be a weird casting? Oh my god, Adam Sandler has Poirot. No, hey, yo, I am a, I am a Hercule Poirot. <laughs> I am That's terrible. I'm that is get, terrible. Adam Sandler's gonna come out of come out and just like punch me. I all doubt he'll gem style. To us. <laughs> That'd be funny if he did. Hi, hi, Adam. You're listening. Can't or any other person who's named Adam, because Adam Sandler does not listen to us. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But anyways, I thought that Kenneth Branagh was. Like you could tell that he was having the time of his life. He enjoyed every minute on it, but you could tell it was Kenneth Branagh pretending like it wasn't like you. I didn't find him believable as the character of Perot, but I could tell that he was having a blast pretending to be Perot, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think my big issue is that I as much as I understand the mustache is part of the character. It was ridiculous. That's too ridiculous. It was too In big. the book, he claims to have like the finest mustache in all of England. He literally. This is not a fine mustache. This is like he t- absurdly bushy. He must have at least, he must go through like half a jar of mustache wax. He every took day. like Mr. Potato Head's mustache and plopped it on his face, but basically, bigger, yeah. like a giant version of it. Yeah. Um, and it was. Yeah. And the thing like when I watched it, I watched it with my mom and afterwards, like we were like, oh, we we like we both really enjoyed it. But after watching it, like after like, I don't know when we first decided to do this, I was thinking back on it. And I'm like, I don't really remember the film Ooh. like like it's good and like it's it visually it looks nice enough, but it was kind of. I don't know. Like, that's kind of all it was for me. Like, it was an enjoyable time that I could forget about, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, So I ended up like, like I'll watch the next one because I remember I really I, I liked watching it. But like, it, it's not one of those for me. It wasn't one of those films like that adaptation wasn't that like that kind of film where it stuck with me, where I was like, holy shit. Yeah. And as I understand, there was a film version of Death on the Nile from like the late 70s, and it wasn't that well received. So but Peter Usanov got to play him that time around because apparently like. After Orient Express, the 74 version did so well, they tried to make a franchise out of it, but Albert Finney didn't want any part of it. So they got Peter Usanov to come in, and he was in a couple of them. And they kind of faded away because people mm. stopped coming to see them. But anyway, then came David Suchet and the Poirot from uh, the BBC. So mm. I, I loved the book. I mentioned that earlier. I thought it was fantastic. Uh, the 74 version, it's good, but it's really just for hardcore fans. Cause like nothing, if you've read the book, it's the exact same thing. Really? There's nothing really new to it. So yeah. It's, and like the book, when you listen to the audiobook, it plays out like a movie. It really does. It's such a visual experience. Yeah. Um, where, Everything is described in a way that you c- it's easy to visualize. And I don't know, it, it's it's very understandable why it would be an easy adaptation to make. Yeah. Um, like it's not like one of those 
it's not like I don't know throwing it out there like a uh, Aragon or something where it's like there's so much <laughs> non you know so much stuff packed in there that you have to like really sift through to figure out how to make it. You've been telling me or you've been dreading it because you've been telling me once like I dread the the day when we're gonna have to cover Aragon. Yeah. Well, I I yeah that's. Uh, having to go through that hefty book that that what 15 year old wrote she was 16 at the time oh my gosh all those words <laughs> words 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 it's so wordy <laughs> so many words oh, so. i knew so many like homeschoolers who wanted to be the next him oh god like not to that like as a homeschooler like there's different levels of homeschooler and he's definitely in that category where i was like i knew a bunch who were like i'm gonna be the next whatever the fuck his name is yeah <laughs> christopher pale yeah i knew it was a christopher something that's that that's his last name yeah we'll get into aragon another time when Eventually. we can stomach it <laughs> yeah so, I, I enjoyed the book i don't want to like piss people off i did enjoy the book when i first read it as a kid yeah. um but the movie is atrocious We'll get into that eventually because I have I have thoughts about seeing it in theaters. <laughs> but at the time of us recording this, it is the twentieth of December. Um, we're not sure this will maybe this will probably get out a little before Christmas. Yeah, so you can have some Christmas murder time. Yeah, and if not, I'd <laughs> highly recommend listening to the audiobook by that's narrated by Dan Stevens. There's another version that's narrated by Kenneth Branagh that came out in in conjunction with the. The twenty seven the twenty seventeen film. I listened to a sample of it and he has fun with it. Oh All my right. gosh, the voices he does. Like for me, why I picked the dance even one was because I was like, okay, he has more of like an audiobook kind of voice. Whereas Kenneth Branagh was like, I am redoing this film, but it's all you know, it felt like an a, like a very active like radio play. Yeah. So okay, that like energy wise, they're they're slightly different. Where Dan Stevens is like, this is an audio book, and Kenneth Branagh is like, I am doing a radio play. You know, as Kenneth Branagh does, <laughs> he's such an extra man, and I love Listen it. Listen to his him narrating Heart of Darkness; it's amazing. Um, but on a similar note, uh, there's also on Audible a great. Like, not like a radio play version of Murder on the Orient Express, where it's pretty much verbatim by the book. And just having different actors come in and do parts is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of fun. So, yeah, I, it's definitely like reading it. I don't know. I, I, this is kind of a story where I would highly recommend listening to it. Yes. Because there are so many characters and it's really fun to hear the different accents that the actors use it, it i don't know it's it, it makes it more of a fun experience yes so but yeah in conclusion we this was a good adaptation yeah like nothing super exciting or new they didn't bring any neither of the films seemed to have brought really anything new to the table but it was still enjoyable yeah and that's kind of the word for the whole for this whole book experience enjoyable yeah. And take with that, you know, what you will. All right. Well, everyone, we'll wish you a happy holidays and a happy new year. We'll have some more content for you coming out next year. It's going to be great. In 2020. Big, <laughs> I hate to be that guy, but big things, big things coming. <laughs> Graham is like, I'm going to fucking kill you right now. There's nothing happening. <laughs>
<laughs> they don't need to know that. <laughs> okay. Everyone, thank you for listening. And until next time, this has been Time to Adapt. Have a happy holiday. Yeah. <laughs>